coming up on this episode of Belief Hole. I want to talk about the wireless man. So he was, he was a brilliant guy, and most of these people were. That's the thing about the scientists involved in this transcommunication. They were at the forefront of telecommunication technology and were also sort of fascinated with the idea of when you have these disembodied voices that you're able to communicate with living people, is this a medium that then those on the other side might be able to tap into? This is sort of the dawn of the transdimensional tech. And it makes sense because the intrigue in transcommunication was naturally born out of the inventions in the 19th century. Mm -hmm. You had the cultural revolution of spiritualism, and a lot of people saw this as potential tools for contact with the dead. Exactly. You had Melton's psychic telephone, Zwan's super rays, Dr. Kleiner's aura. And the reflectograph? And the reflectograph, yes, John. Early pioneers of spirit tech. Exactly. Exactly. Definitely fascinating stuff. Obviously, we've been looking at technology to speak to spirits for, I mean, hundreds of years. It'll be interesting to see what the spirit phone group has for disclosure. Yeah, they're calling it this summer. They're going to be simultaneous demonstrations. Wow. You got the soul phone. You got the soul voice. All theoretical technologies based off this original soul switch, which is essentially a binary on-off switch based on light and the appearance of spirit in the photo light receiver. It's oddly technical, and it sounds so crazy, but it could be happening. It could be happening. She was listening to her favorite radio show when the phone rang. Mary heard a whirring as of many winds and a continued mumbling of voices. But among these sounds was the voice of her daughter. Weird. It's interesting, dude, because that was one of the things they would talk about is that you almost heard this wind from the other side. Exactly. But also the the many voices, right? Oh, yeah. But there were other people trying to speak as well. That's interesting. I like just picturing them on like a giant precipice surrounded by planes and there's just wind howling everywhere. They just, <laughs> get in the energy wind. <laughs> we need to speak to the living. Unless the swirling winds are in the background. Right. Then, then you, you know, know it's real. Then you know they're in that land of the dead. Land of the dead. <sighs> land of the dead. Conspiracy, synchronicity, Sasquatch, homunculus, alien races, Satanism in Hollywood, MK Ultra, Tartaria. There's like a whole. I've been watching this one guy. Close like, the door, it. Jury, close your door. What's the uh, inner Earth disagreements? Ghost Dad. <laughs> I like that movie. Dogman. Bohemian Grove. Corey Feldman. Magicians are demons. Specters. Spirits. Sleep paralysis. Strange disappearances. Sky whale phenomena. Yes. Alternative history. Shadow people. Shh, quiet. I'm trying to say words with the mouth. It's getting dicey out there. Poltergeists. That's cool. Anunnaki. What is the moon? <laughs> Elf towers. I would never talk about. That's old. Y2K. Cover ups. Apocalyptic catastrophe. Vampire. Well, hello, hello. Hello, gentlemen. Nice to see you again. Yes. Welcome into the hole, everybody. The water's warm. Jump in. Mm. <laughs> Good to be here. I am Jeremy. I'm Chris. I'm John. Did you say your name, Jeremy? Mm-hmm. You did. You missed it. Because you were thinking about how we jump into warm waters. Oh, okay. And it's warm in here. <laughs> Jeremy Warm Waters, they kind of... Jeremy Warm Waters. <laughs> my Native American name. I came Very up pleasant. with a little name today. I thought it was hilarious. I called my dog Handsome Pants. And I was like, has anyone said that before? I'm sure they have. Handsome Pants? I'm sure. Has, have you heard that before? I don't know if it's like statistically pants. prevalent as a name. I just think it's a funny term. I like it. It has a nice ring to it. You can call me Handsome Pants if you want. I'll pass. All right. Today is an exciting episode. Is it now? We've talked about spirit communication before through technology, right? Spirit communication technology. This yeah. season alone, we covered Marcello Bacci. 
mm-hmm. the Italian man and his spear radio, which was fascinating. Right. 1949, episode. right? Mm-hmm. And then we did the skull experiment, that 90s experiment with physical mediumship that was really interesting, where they involved technology like audio recorders and video cameras. Yeah, it was called ITC. Wasn't that the term? Yes. But today we're going to cover what I call teletranscommunication. <gasps> which I guess is kind of redundant if you break it down, but tele is distant and then transcommunication is communication with the dead. So distant communication with the dead through technology. Oh, okay. And also weird telephony, right? Yeah. is that, That's apparently a word, telephony. Telephony? I keep seeing that pop up when mm-hmm. I was looking for phone calls from the dead. Does it have anything to do with television? Man, <laughs> every, every episode. <laughs> I'm just, it's a theme that I'm just going to keep saying. Television because it lies. So this is not just spirit communication. It's also like freaky phone call type yeah. stuff too, right? I wanted to start with the pioneers of spirit tech. So inventions, right? That leads us to the telephone. And then we're going to dive into some really interesting phone calls from the dead. Well, sweet. I'm pumped. So what is an expansion though? Expansion, we have some exciting news. Okay, so this dovetails with what we're talking about, obviously. This summer, we've talked about, it's been all on the wires. Everyone's been discussing the coming disclosure, right? The disclosure deception, what's happening, right? Yeah. Why are you smiling? Oh, didn't we just do that one? We're not doing UFO disclosure. What I found during this research, I found a footnote in an article about some of these phone calls from the dead, a footnote to an organization called Soul Phone. And according to them, this summer, that's fascinating, there will be afterlife disclosure this summer, allegedly. There will be conferences. Later in the episode, I'll do a short preview of the expansion, but essentially they released an announcement that in summer of 2021, after all of their work with the Soul Phone and this thing they have called the Soul Switch, which is basically a binary on-off switch they use with photokinetic technology, measuring photon energy and stuff, essentially communicating with the dead. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've developed it into a device. Like an an Apple device? Like an iSpirit? Well, actually, (laughs) they do say that, this is where it gets crazy, is that they actually suggest that they work with luminaries on the other side. Now, the, luminaries. The, the Skull Project we've talked about on our previous expansion, they supposedly working with Thomas Edison. Oh, right. right had, Everybody claims Thomas Edison. Yeah, well, these guys not only claim Edison, but also Tesla mm. and Einstein, I think. Huh. Uh, and Steve Jobs is also helping with the, uh, the <laughs> work what? on the other side. And then they quoted him as saying, when he died, you know, he opened his eyes wide, I believe. And his last words were, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, That's wow. pretty common in experience. This is Steve Jobs? Mm-hmm. Really? And then he, then he was out. I never heard that before. Yeah. I would have heard that. Then it's probably, I'm probably lying. <laughs> Where did you hear that from? Uh, their website. Apple.com? It was an image of it. Oh, spirit phone? It was like an, it was <laughs> an image of an iPad with the words written on it. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. On whose website? On the, uh, the Soul Phone oh, Foundation. Okay. So who are the Soul Phone, Jer? So well, we're going to be covering this in the expansion, and we'll, we'll get to more later. Essentially, it's a collection of highly accredited and accomplished academics, researchers, physicists, people from all kinds of industries make up basically the board. The interesting thing I think that I read about them is that in this disclosure they're planning for this afterlife disclosure, uh, which is just funny considering what's been going on with the UFO stuff, they said that they're in talks with heads of governments and churches. This is all coming up. State religions. They'll get into it later, but the point is disclosure's coming. Suffice it to say there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. This culmination of the UFO, whether you believe that they're actually going to tell us the truth about UFOs, 
Which I, I kind of don't think so. Yeah. But who knows what they may admit to. Right. Yeah. I mean, like Tyrants McKenna, we talked about the novelty right. of everything happening faster and faster. And then with this disclosure of afterlife, I mean, people have been working on the communication with the dead for over like 100 years. I going to explode at some point of just novelty. Like, can you take in any more? Any more newness. 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 Did you hear the McKenna clip I dropped in? I think so. Yeah, I did. Exactly what we're talking about. There's the machinery of complexity just making things move faster and faster, the nature of reality. Physicists believe the universe is running down ultimately into a state of disorder. But what I see is everywhere the emergence of more and more complex forms, languages, organisms, technologies, always building on the previously achieved levels of complexity. This process of complexification through time is not proceeding at a steady rate. It's happening faster and faster. So I see the cosmos, if you will, as a kind of novelty-producing engine, a kind of machine which produces complexity in all realms, physical, chemical, social, and then uses that achieved level of complexity as the platform for further complexity. But you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand that if the universe is complexifying faster and faster, a time will come when this rate of complexification is occurring so rapidly that it will become itself the overwhelming phenomena in the world of three-dimensional space and time. And I call this the omega point or the transcendental object at the end of history. And I believe it is not that far off that we are now within the shadow of this transcendental object at the end of time. Our religions sense it. That's what gives them their apocalyptic intuitions. And I think the ordinary man and woman in the street sense a kind of built-in acceleration to time itself. And potentially in the expansion, if we have time, if you want to, I do have a section called uh, Dial Tone Unknown. Your call cannot be completed as dial. Check the numbers at the outro. We can actually call some numbers that are haunted or oh, cursed. Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of like a Cursed? Fun- yeah. You call a number and then it... It curses you? You may not make it through the night. Well, I don't want to do that. But I think we'll be okay. <laughs> Anyways, we might get into some of the stuff. It's kind of like, remember we did the cursed no, we're games? we're not calling any possessed <laughs> cursed phone lines from this house. You get to leave. We'll use a, VO, a VoIP, a voiceover IP, and they want to be able to track us. Come on now. That's not how ghost activity works. They have direct <laughs> access GPS system. That's true. They're just people, John. They're just on the other side. Oh, well, these aren't ghosts. These would be entities, I If they're cursing you, yeah. Yeah. But anyways, that's an option. It's kind of fun. Maybe sure the listeners are like, just do it. Yeah, exactly. Because they don't have any consequences. <laughs> well, John, you just have Jeremy do it. Yeah, but it's in this house. What if they just come back here looking for him and realize I'm the brother and that's good enough? That's fair. They could do that. Anyway, so that might be coming up in the expansion. Cool. For funsies. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so question we're asking right now is, do the dead contact us? Is that what's happening? And potentially, is it something else? There's right. another question we have to ask. Like, we always have the trickster idea, right? Like demons? <laughs> or demons, John, maybe. Or is it both? Yeah, it's probably a mix of things, right? Yes, usually the case. Usually not one thing for everything. Yeah, that'd be a, be a boring world. Yeah, it would be a boring world. 
So how are you going to start us out on this, Chris? What do you cool. Do? Well, I thought it would be good to just briefly, I wanted to talk about the first phone calls from the dead. Briefly brief us. And the people who started to put into practice technological progress, advancing communications with those on the other side. And as I said earlier, we've already talked about some this season, but I want to talk about some we haven't heard of, two in particular. All right. So I thought it'd be fun to set the mood here with a classic case and one of the earlier phone calls from an alleged dead person. And this comes from, I'm sorry, you mean post-material persons. Oh, is that how you're referring That's to That's how them? the Soul Foundation refers to no. post-material, post-material persons, PMPs. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, because they, I mean, they talk to him so much, supposedly. Like More scientific. Thousands of hours that... Post-material persons. They have rights, That's man. Funny. Well, no, I guess because they're not really dead, if you're still talking exactly. to Exactly. They've just... Not material. They moved to the next step, yeah. right? And they're looking back, trying to help us. And that was one of their things is, you know, we should show them the respect they deserve as living people just not living here instead of calling them ghosts or dead people. Well, it would be annoying if someone keep calling you dead when you're like, I'm alive-ish. Yeah. I'm just but I, else. I don't think I want to be called post-material persons. <laughs> sounds way too like formal. I'd be like, just call me dead or call me, uh, you know. Dead sounds better than that. Just call me Jeremy. Hasn't undead always been sort of that description? Well, undead also refers to those that have died, but their bodies are still active, like vampires, oh, true. ghouls, zombies, zombies, you know. All right, so. A great article I used for this episode, and actually, synchronistically, when John brought up the idea to do this episode on phone calls from the dead, I just happened to check out, at the time, the most recent 14 Times article, issue 405, which came out May 2021, some really good research and stories involving phone calls from the dead by Theo Pagemans, and he spent time gathering these, and I thought it would be good to start with one of what I thought were the most interesting. Okay. One evening in May 1943, Mary Cahill was comfortably lounging in an easy chair in her apartment in Endicott, New York. She was listening to her favorite radio show when the phone rang. The operator told her she had an incoming long-distance call and connected her. In a confusion of sound, I heard what seemed to be several persons talking all at once. Then I nearly fainted as I heard the breathless voice of my little girl, Peggy, who was 12. Mary heard a whirring as of many winds and a continued mumbling of voices. But among these sounds was the voice of her daughter. I talked to Peggy, but it was like talking through a storm. I hear you, Peggy, my darling. I'm here. Then silence fell. After a while, Peggy spoke again. Her voice called to me through a rushing of great winds. The winds rose to a roar and then died in sudden silence. But Mrs. Cahill's daughter had passed away six months before. And when the operator was asked to trace the call, she could not find a record of it. Mary had just received a phone call from the dead. So that originally came from Fate Magazine, September 1953. It's interesting, dude, because remember when we did the Marcello Bacci yeah. episode not too long ago? That was one of the things they would talk about is that sound of this. Oh, yeah. You almost heard this wind from the other side. Exactly. That's why I wanted to include it. That's interesting. Yeah. It ties right in there with Bocce stuff. Maybe it's the transdimensional winds or some sort of energy thing. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's one of the things that, you know, the idea that they are an energy on the other side, or that's the medium we use to communicate. Or that's where they have to be to actually communicate sort of thing. Oh, that's an interesting idea. Maybe that's not what it is over there, but right. it's like in order to get to, they have to immerse themselves in some sort of energy wind. 
Interesting. <laughs> That's a lot more sci-fi than I was picturing. I assumed that it was more the the energy of the medium that they were like somewhere between our radio and theirs kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I like just picturing them on like a giant precipice surrounded by planes and there's just wind howling everywhere. They just, Get in the energy wind. <laughs> we need to speak to the living. I'm scared, Donald. It's my first time. Yeah, that you're right. The winds, but also the the many voices, right? Oh, she yeah. said her daughter was speaking, but there were other people trying to speak as well, or she was speaking, breaking through all these other voices. That's same with Bocce's radio. Mm-hmm. Just fascinating how that coincides. And this is only a few years, I think, prior to beginning of Bracci's radio experiments. Right, what was it, year was this, 1943? 1947, I believe. 1943. Oh, sorry, 1943. So Bocci's was 1949. Yeah. Just weird, like what is going on in this time period where whoever's on the other side, quite possibly, was trying to communicate and where people in different parts of the world are picking up these communications through telephones, telegraphs, and radios. Yeah, we did, there were things that were mentioned from the spirit team, which is what the Skull group called the entities on the other side. That's what they called themselves, actually, which is funny. Oh, was it? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, sometimes they're referred to on the other side as the spirit team, at least with the Soul Phone Foundation. I mean, the spirits call themselves that. Oh, okay. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Kind of cheesy. But... You need a branding uh, guy. But that was one of the interesting things was this idea that there were some communications that had suggested that the reason that we can do this now is because we're in a period of time where it's more possible. And I think there was something at the time that they had mentioned about something to do with the way the universe was aligned or some etheric idea of a, a way that our two realms were connected that made this more possible. The we membrane talk, was thinner or something. We're closer to that. Yeah, we've talked about that a lot. Yeah, but that was specifically mentioned in that. And then that could be the idea here. If the, the fact that it's happening at the same time with Bocce in 1949, in this story, 1943. Yeah, interesting. It's interesting, and I, I just wanted to talk about the. this is sort of the dawn of the transdimensional tech, Yeah, if you think about it. And it makes sense because the intrigue in transcommunication was naturally born out of the inventions in the 19th century. Mm-hmm. You had the cultural revolution of spiritualism and mediumship going on at the same time. You had these parallel developments of the telegraph and the telephone and a lot of people saw this as potential tools for contact with the dead. Exactly. And Edison, he had the spirit phone, right? He was working right. on They never found a prototype. We don't know if he ever actually built it. Right. But he talked about he was trying to develop this before he died. Right. But a couple of people you haven't heard of, early pioneers of spirit tech. Yeah. So some we're not going to cover real quick. Melton's psychic telephone, 1921. Zwan's super rays, 1948. And Dr. Kleiner's aura, 1937, which is more of a uh, an analysis of fields around people. The reflectograph? And the reflectograph, yes, John. Which actually might come into play in the expansion because it has. It sounds a lot like something that they're working on right now with the spirit phone technology. It's like a soul keyboard kind of thing. Yeah. The Kleiner tech too, that was mentioned in the Soul Phone Foundation that one guy who was developing from some of that research, Kleiner's work. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, this stuff has been going on for so long. For, you didn't mention Francis Grierson, who I spent three hours reading about and I'm not going to talk about, <laughs> which sucks because his, his story is so incredible. You'd love it, John, because he was a musician, piano player. You know how music can be amused. He believed that improvisation, when you're playing whatever you're playing on the piano and you're pulling in that instant of creation when you improvise, he believes that that's connected to the divine or to spirits. Cool. Past composers. So he would you know, have these crazy workshops where people would come and watch. Became famous in his day, but of course died penniless like every other interesting person in history like Tesla and these guys, who, by the way, supposedly is helping on their side, Tesla. Yeah, fascinating. I mean, it sounds so ridiculous, but... I know, it's like Elvis is in the building or something. (laughs) But it makes sense if you think that, like, the next plane removed isn't that different. They would want to continue the the work. People just assume that when you go across the other side, you're not yourself anymore. Mm -hmm. Part of the great void or... Right. Or in heaven, a very mechanical view of heaven where it's, like, separate in gold streets and you don't, you know... But who knows what it's really like when you first go over. Right. If it's just a continuation of your consciousness, that's kind of the main question. Yeah. 
Yeah, it doesn't mean that you can't have people that are confused when they get there. I'm sure that oh, happens yeah, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that some of the communications seem to suggest that as well. But yeah, fascinating stuff, I think, the idea of spiritualism combining with this technology at the same time. Back then, of course, scientists, they weren't thinking necessarily that all this other stuff is woo. They would see, woo, this is how this, this can sort of lift up each other. They lift up each other's right. work uh, in some ways. But anyway, I want to talk about Captain Crawford, the wireless man, as he was known in spiritualism circles. The wireless man. Yeah, this guy's fascinating. Captain Quentin Charles Alexander Crawford born in 1875, was a decorated officer of the Royal Navy, whose innovations in wireless technology, notably his invention of the ship-to-ship radio system, constituted a significant advance in military and civilian communications. He was also the founder of the Fairy Investigation Society, Neat. and as a companion to various birds and animals, experimented with human-animal communication. I would like a walk. Crawford claimed that the inspiration for his wireless telephone came to him in a dream in 1907, and later explained that this experience had led him to become involved with psychical research. In this field, he applied his scientific mind to the development of devices that might facilitate communication between human and non-human minds. He claimed that to be able to receive messages from the dead via a, quote, ether box, and soon became known in spiritual circles as, quote, the wireless man. <laughs> Neat nickname. <laughs> kind of weird. <laughs> well, you'll see why. Crawford experimented with technology as a means with which to establish communication with other realms. In 1927, whilst playing around with a device of his own invention, he claimed to have tuned in to the music and voices of fairies. In my case, I began with an electrical apparatus of my own design and a nearly worn-out torch battery. And one day I heard fairy music, the sound of harps and bells. Something new I was incredulous and yet delighted. It answered to my voice. Crawford then proceeded to ask questions and entered into a dialogue with these fairies, for so he believed them to be in much the same way as spiritualists would typically do when conversing with spirits of the departed. One of my main early questions was, are there then such creatures as fairies? The reply came, they are all around you. Then why can we not see them? Your minds are not tuned. How do you mean tuned? Your ether machine is tuned and you are not. Ether machine? You mean that box over there? I pointed to the wireless. Of course. Came the prompt reply. So that was that. We had to tune in to what was about us or remain ignorant. So very British. Pretty interesting, right? Yeah. I mean, he used the word torch for flashlight. Okay. So, so I was on point there. Yeah, pretty on point. Yeah, so fairies. Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought this up. You know, we wanted other kinds of ideas besides just phone calls from the dead. And the mm-hmm. idea of, the, he referred to them as non-human entities, right? right. Isn't that the thing? Um, N- NHEs? NHEs, non-human entities. I like that. Like uh, non-corporeal persons. Yeah, he was a fascinating guy. He developed wireless communication, first radio communication between uh, battleships. Ship to so ship, he, yeah. He was, he was a brilliant guy. And most of these people were. That's the thing about the scientists involved in this transcommunication. They were at the forefront of telecommunication technology and therefore... We're also sort of fascinated with the idea of when you have these disembodied voices that you're able to communicate with living people, is this a medium that then those on the other side might be able to tap into? 
Exactly. Well, and it's so fascinating. We always talk about the idea of technology moves so fast in our spiritual growth doesn't. Yeah. But it's during the time of spiritualism, when this technology was first being developed for, like you said, ship-to-ship radio communication, mm-hmm. we could have had a growth of spiritual communication at the same time, right. spiritual understanding, because we were contacting, supposedly, voices from the other side or other realms. We could have grown in that kind of metaphysical development, spiritual development, along with technology. But for some reason, we've deleted these parts of this anomalous aspect of technological history. Even the inventors that brought us this technology who believed this stuff was happening because we couldn't figure out what it was, we just erased it from history books. Like science is supposed to just delete instead of leave a question mark. Should we continue? And that's what the Soul Phone Foundation and the expansion... Right, and there are people on the forefront now, at least people who can invest money and time into this, like Robert Bigelow. Right. We'll talk about that in the expansion, who has that contest for proof of the afterlife. Yeah, but you're right. And if it wasn't for people we're going to get into, especially parapsychologist and researcher D. Scott Rogo, if it wasn't for his book, Phone Calls from the Dead in the 1970s, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. Even in paranormal research circles, it was sort of buried. It was sort of back then an idea like that's kind of an area you don't go to. So for some reason, it had this stigma on it. But we're talking about it today. So that's good. No stigma in the hole. Speaking of inventors, uh, the last guy I wanted to touch on that you may not have heard of was Logie Baird. And his Mm. name might not ring a bell, but we can thank him for television broadcast. Oh, really? Yeah, he was the first person to- Television? Television broadcast, Mm. John. Uh Uh, (laughs) He was the first one to do a transatlantic broadcast, which is pretty incredible. Uh, with his Baird Television Company, but brilliant guy, uh, a bunch of patents, and I'll have links to more information about him, but of course we're focusing on his spirit technology. The spooky stuff he did. Yeah. John Logie Baird, one of the pioneers of television, was another scientist who claimed to have communicated with the spirit of Edison. Claims of assistance by fellow researchers from beyond the veil were not uncommon. After his death, Edison was said to have made contact at seances on several occasions. His supposed spirit claiming to be continuing the work he had begun whilst on Earth. Baird was a frequent visitor at spiritualist meetings, of which he wrote, I have witnessed some very startling phenomena under circumstances which make trickery out of the question, and also, unfortunately, publication. I'm convinced that discoveries of far-reaching importance remain waiting along these shadowy and discredited paths. Here he describes a visit to a seance in West Wimbledon. We waited and waited. The darkness and silence had a most eerie effect. Then the old lady next to me squeezed my hand and whispered in an awestruck whisper, Look, it's coming. Sure enough, in front of the booth, faint and almost invisible, a wavering purple-colored cloud was forming. It grew denser, and then the silence was broken by the irregular tapping of a Morse key. The spirit was signaling. The message was directed to me, and it came from no less a personage than Thomas Alva Edison. Edison had, it appeared, been experimenting with noctovision in his home in the astral plane. I love that idea. And he was convinced that it would in time prove of great use in assisting communication between the living and those who had passed over. Noctovision, one of Baird's inventions, enabled an image to be transmitted from one room to another, even when the first room was in complete darkness. There have been suggestions that Baird thought of his Noctovision as the first step in the development of teleportation. It is certainly the case that the British military took a great interest in Baird's work during the 1920s and 1930s, especially in its application to aircraft and ship detection, 
and coded signals transmission. It is still not entirely clear what other technology he might have been working on. When a journalist put inquiries to the Ministry of Defense in 1984, he was met with the response, no comment. Much of his work is still classified. So interesting idea that this guy who basically was instrumental in developing broadcast television was also a guy who had this thing called Noctivision. It's all kind of tied together. Yeah, I think it's interesting to imagine. It's weird, the idea that he supposedly was talking to Edison on the other plane and Edison had a Noctivision box <laughs> in his own house. Yeah. Yeah. Where he was building his own. Maybe I don't know. he was building his own version of the Noctivision. Yeah. Noctivision sounds way uh, more nefarious than television. Doesn't it? It sounds creepy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Definitely interesting, though. And it's cool. He reminds me of a Tesla figure. There's this good description here that the author of this article, Chris Joseph, and this comes from Fordian Times, issue 363, but he says, Incidentally, when living in Trinidad just after the Great War, Baird's mysterious experiments in a wooden house belonging to a local plantation owner had earned him the nickname Obea and Black Magic Man. These were given to him by suspicious locals on account of the strange flashing lights they had seen coming from his house at night. Like that idea of this eccentric adventure in the forest trying to contact the dead in this old wooden house in the jungle or whatever. With his Noctivision. Right. All right, and to wrap up the history here of these inventors of the spirit tech, I just wanted to wrap up with a quick final closing thoughts by Chris Joff from his article. Rather than putting an end to speculations about the paranormal, innovations in the telecommunications industry have, ever since the advent of the wireless telegraph, fostered and encouraged a belief that contact with the world of spirit may one day be scientific reality. There seems no reason to suppose that future telecommunication developments will put an end to speculations about the paranormal, and we may expect the twin sensations of attraction and unease induced by technology to persist, and to continue generating further ghosts in the machine, one dreads to think what a possessed networked 3D printer might produce at night when no one is looking. I just thought that was kind of a funny, <laughs> creepy. funny thing to think about. But absolutely right. I mean, it just kind of goes into what we were talking about earlier with the duality of the technology. It's communication technology. So like an entity. So if a 3D printer is hooked up to a network, wireless network, connected to an ether box, let's say, <laughs> an entity could print itself out. Maybe. In 3D form. But let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about some of the first phone calls and some of the modern reports of speaking with the dead. Let's do it. into some of the very first phone calls from the dead. We have some news we wanted to let you know about. We're going to be taking a break in June. We're going to do a live stream for the first time on YouTube for anyone who wants to participate. Yay! So check that out. That's going to be on June 18th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Awesome. Mark your calendars. Yeah, mark it down. And we're doing this because we have a lot of stuff in the back end we need to take care of. 
We're going to be expanding Beliefful.com. Yeah, a lot of you guys have sent in amazing listener stories, which you've heard on some of the episodes. We haven't been able to get to all of them, but we hope to get to as many of them as possible. In the meantime, I've built a, a database archive where you can check out all of those stories on our site. So that will, I'll be developing over the break of June. We have other stuff going on, but yeah, we do have the live stream coming up. And if you haven't been to one of those yet, if you're not an expansion member or patron, uh, that's an experience. And you get to chat with, <laughs> other, an experience. To chat with other belief holders. Uh, it's kind of like a, a casual hangout, but we also go, usually go over freaky videos or talk about stuff that's going on, paranormal type stuff. But it's just a general good time. So check that out. It's uh, June 18th at eight o'clock Eastern Standard Time. But if you want your usual belief hole fix, Feel free to sign up for the expansion because we will have regular episode drops for expansion members over the break. No break for paid member folks. Yeah, so if you would like, now would be a good time. Access granted. Do it now. What are you waiting for? We're waiting for you. Oh, we're doing an ad campaign when we get back to it. So that's right. part of the reason we're taking the whole time. It's a little earlier, I think, than we would have done it. Right. But we have an ad campaign coming up in July. So we want to make sure that we're back in business by then. So look forward to the live stream and... Expansion members. We still got you covered. Yes! Cool. So those of you who can't make it, we'll miss you, but check out the live stream because it'll be a special experience. <laughs> Let's get in some calls and then we'll talk about some of the researchers that have uncovered these experiences. All right, so these older accounts were collected by Podgmans. In 1917, in southern Indiana, a ghostly caller frightened the phone operators out of their wits. The women claimed that for a number of weeks, they received long-distance calls each evening. And when they asked for the number, a female voice said, Petersburg. I'm the dead operator from that place. I'm in the spirit land and want to talk with you about things on Earth and hear where I am. It then chatted about who else was in the spirit land and how they got along with one another, and it sang religious songs. The voice also seemed to be able to identify who was in the operator room. Despite attempts to find out to whom the strange voice belonged, it remained a mystery. The year before, the head operator had died suddenly, although she apparently had had no personal knowledge of the people in that area. Quote, while the unknown who has a girlish voice seems to know practically everybody in Spencer County. And that came from the Urbana Daily Courier, March 5th, 1917. Fascinating. It's so one of the earliest accounts of an alleged spirit. I like that. <laughs> She's in the spirit land. I want to know more about like what they I know, described. And what's, what's very interesting. <laughs> I did not find that very interesting. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting, but it's, it's not enough vague. information. Yeah. I mean, I want to know like what, what it's like. Mm-hmm. Well, I tried to get access to the original article, but I, for whatever reason, could not find. Right, probably way, way to go, Chris. Yeah. The guy who wrote this article in Fortean Times did a great job of sourcing everything, but those sources are hard to access unless you have accounts on, mm. I don't, I'm not sure what websites he's using for these archived articles, but I want to find it. Sure. Get more info. All right. Jerry, want to do the next one? Yeah. It's called Railway Voices. When a voice boomed from a metal relay box connected to a telegraph at the railway station of the city of Bar, Vermont, in 1905, citizens became greatly agitated over this electric ghost. One night, a clerk heard the voice emanating from the relay box. A superintendent with decades of experience with telegraph equipment was called in to investigate, but he could not explain the strange voice. He heard two voices emanating from the box. They spoke of different subjects and had nothing in common. Part of the time, whole sentences were plainly spoken, and other times only a word or two was distinguishable. Spiritualists who heard the voices agreed that the messages were from another world. And that came from Post Crescent, Appleton, Wisconsin, 
August 1905. So there's this juncture box thing at this railway station, and it's a telegraph juncture box. Yeah, which doesn't Relay, produce voices. Doesn't produce voices. So if it was a phone line, I would understand. Yeah. How you could kind of explain that away, but it was it's a telegraph. Yeah. Just interesting. You know, there are some phone lines, some numbers you can call now. It's explained, so it's not super mysterious, but it's a number that people get freaked out about because if you call it, it's just, it'll be like, the box in summer is no longer active. It was like a spy channel or something? It'll just be random phrases, but the phrases apparently are designed to be a perfect sounding phrase so that telephone technicians can check the quality of the voice. Oh. <laughs> so that's what this reminded me of that's first. Funny. Like these are just random disconnected phrases yeah. that can be used for technical purposes like that. But this is from a telegraph that wouldn't have the function of being voice being replaced. So that's gotta be a ghost, right? Sure. Or other dimensional entity. So this last one I have from the elder days. This one's from 1886, so very old. I call this cemetery salutation. In 1886, a story circulated of an undertaker who received a phone call in the night from a cemetery. Quote, The voice that called him was so strange that it made him shudder. It was so wonderfully distinct and yet so slow, so cold, so far away, that it sounded like nothing else he had ever heard. The ghostly caller only uttered a long, drawn-out, Hello. Before the bewildered undertaker hung up. When he verified the number, it had come from the cemetery, but no one had called from there. This went on for a few nights, after which the undertaker took the telephone out of his shop. He had it replaced afterward, quote, And though he has not since been called up by the voice from the other world, he sits in nightly dread of it. And that comes from the St. Paul Globe, St. Paul, Minnesota, November 24th, 1886. Weird. Of course, just especially creepy because it takes place in a cemetery. The phone call is coming from the cemetery to the undertaker. Hello. <laughs> so he just sits there night after night in dread, yeah. staring at that phone, but not picking it up. Hoping it doesn't ring again. Well, he had it replaced and it wasn't ringing anymore. But he's still sitting in dread, so so the story is. Yeah, he's dead now. I'm sure he's now with that ghost in the graveyard. He died? It was his 1886, I'm sure. All right, so before we uh, get into the more contemporary accounts, I just wanted to quickly touch on some of the researchers that made possible this conversation about phone calls from the dead. Of course, it all starts with D. Scott Rogo, who you might be familiar with. He's a renowned parapsychologist. Um, and he was brutally murdered. He was. I was going to mention that yet. Is that crazy? Yeah. He was murdered when he was like 40 years old. I don't know how he... I just read that he had been... It's unsolved. They don't know who killed him. And he has not since come back from the other side. He communicated. I mean, not, not that I'm aware yeah, somebody read a comment about during one of the reviews that it was his tragic murder and that I think some other researchers were hoping he would oh, place a call. I don't know. Do you know how he was killed? Oh, the, I don't know the details of the murder. Just said brutally. I think he might have been beaten to death, but I'm not sure. Ugh. I mean, there's only so many ways you can be Poor guy. brutally murdered. Oh, I'm sure there's a million ways. That's true. There's probably, yeah. I just don't want to think about it. I know. This guy was a pretty brilliant guy, though. I mean, he was 29 years old when he wrote the book, Phone Calls from the Dead, in 1979, but that was already his 16th book on psychic phenomena. Yeah, well, he had been introduced at what, the age of 16 by uh, an associate in this field who had basically... Oh, the co-author of the book, Raymond Bayless. Yeah, taken him under his wing. Yeah. And so he was early researching this stuff, so that's why he was one of the preeminent guys. And it's it sucks that the book is so hard to find. It's like $800 on Amazon. You can only find excerpts from other people's articles. Yeah, it's between $600 and $2,000 right now. That's crazy. So, but Amazon. if you do want to buy it, use the link on our website <laughs> and uh, it'll give us a kickback for Amazon. <laughs> Very small, but every little bit helps. I mean, it's an $800 book. It's at least going to be true. like eight bucks or something. Uh, and if you have a copy, just send it to us. 
if you want to. Yeah, stuff, just give us your things. <laughs> give us your things. If you have any money, just give it to us. <laughs> <laughs> things or money are two, two things we like. We're materialists. Things and money. Anyway, so obviously instrumental in this research of phone calls from the dead from this trans-dimensional communication. Count Rogo. Count Rogo, as Jeremy likes to call him, D. Scott Rogo. That's what I always hear when you say his name. Up until his research, these cases weren't taken very seriously at all, even by psychical researchers. And he was himself not super interested until a relation of his had a friend who had an experience. And over the next 10 years, he started researching this phenomenon and realized it was pretty common, or more common than you'd think anyway. And this is what he had to say about that. As a parapsychologist, I hear all sorts of tales. However, I soon had cause to change my opinion when over the next 10 years, I started coming across more and more of these reports and found myself totally incapable of explaining them away. Now, once he started looking into this stuff, he and Bayless were able to break down the phone calls into three different categories. The first category being apparent phone calls from the dead. In this type of call, a living person receives a call from someone who has recently died, or in fact has been dead for some time. Hello? Oh, hey, what's up, man? The person receiving the call may or may not know the caller is dead. Uh, what's good, dude? Hmm. In an intention call, there is an urgent message which is often a warning from a friend or relative. Hello? You should sell your Bitcoin. What? Initially, the call seems perfectly normal, but later the receiver of the call finds out that the person who rang them never actually made the call, though they firmly intended to. In these cases, the voice on the line is often described as strange or drunk or mechanical. Yeah, it comes up Weird. a lot. In any case, there is something off about it. It reminds me of the, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, disembodied voices. Mm -hmm. uh, Tim Marshenko. His specific encounter of hearing what he thought was his dad at the, the first. mechanical part. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like a mechanical robotic type voice. Yeah, that, that's a common thing that you'll hear. Or just something was off about it. Yeah. Hello. Not quite human. Great book, by the way. Yeah, definitely check out that book, Disembodied Voices. It's funny, he has a chapter towards the end where he mentions the concept of being lured by modern technology. Right. Phone calls, pagers, things like that. But yes, also Mothman, Ingrid Cold, reminds me of that. The sort of almost mechanical voice came through the phone mm -hmm. to John Keel, right? Right. And so there is this conversation about tricksters, which we'll get into at the very end of the episode. But in the meantime, there's a third category, answer cases. In these calls, the person making the call rings someone, has a conversation, and only later finds out that the person they were speaking to was actually dead. Oh yeah, I've heard a lot of those. Those are creepy ones. That's unbelievable. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know which case is creepier. Screepier. Um, screepier. Probably the phone call from someone who recently died. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, right on the face of it is this is someone who I know yeah, is dead. Yeah, I mean, especially if it was just like a nonchalant conversation. Mm -hmm. Well, that, yeah, that would be the answer case, right? Where you, you talk to someone you don't know is dead. Oh, yeah. And it's a normal conversation. Then you find out that they died, yeah, three days before. That's oh, the answer case. Oh, right. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Well, the other phone call is like a call coming from a dead person. Yeah, the initial is the call from a, someone who's died case, which uh, is like, the, but you know they're dead. And you right. get a call and it's like breathy, like, John. I don't understand the difference between a parent phone call from the dead and answer cases. Answer cases are when you make a phone call and someone who picks up you think is a living person. Oh, It turns oh, out the, okay. where the other okay. one is someone is calling you. I think the answer cases is the weirdest one. Because there could be almost like a prank thing mm -hmm. if someone's calling you. Yeah. There's more chances. But if you're calling someone else and they answer from that phone. And it's their voice. It's their voice. It's regular conversation. Yeah. That happens kind of regularly in certain situations. I know there's some, I don't think I kept the story, but there's examples of people who work at like telecommunication companies or telemarketing companies 
where they'll call and talk to somebody who they later find out was not alive when they made that call, but they'll answer the call. So I guess even dead people are lonely. You know, like older people get lonely and they talk to like <laughs> telemarketers. Yeah. Uh-huh. If you're dead, you're like, I'll tap in here. I'll talk to somebody. No one can see me or hear me. <laughs> That's sad. Yeah. So the last two researchers I wanted to mention, last two authors who looked into this phenomenon, uh, the first being Cal Cooper, who in 2012, with his book, Telephone Calls from the Dead, a revised look at the phenomenon 30 years on, he reprised the cases that Rogo and Bayless had gone over and collected. And he took a second look at it from a more of a psychological perspective and sort of more skeptical approach, looking at how can some of these be explained away by different aspects of psychological perception. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, for example, someone might read something as it was a call from a dead person where, you know, maybe their situation, they'd recently lost somebody, they overhype. I don't try to think of an example of this. Do you know what I'm talking about, Jerry? What, um, what are you doing? Now, Jeremy's the one that's not help, paying attention. These are help. You're not I was trying thing. to figure something out. <laughs> related to the show. I know, but my this part where I'm talking to you. What are you got, trying to figure out for the show? It's a nothing. It's a secret. Oh, yeah. It's not. He's not doing it. Okay. All right. We have a liar in our midst. <laughs> All right, so... You know he's lying because he's not defending himself. <laughs> oh, you'll see. I have a secret. Secret. Okay, so yeah, basically looking at things from a more skeptical approach, what are some mindsets people might be in when they think they're receiving a call from someone who died, a family member maybe? Maybe some things that could explain away, some technical things, and even, of course, like people who are um, spoofing numbers or something. Yeah. Um, Wait, what do you mean? Like there are things you can use to hide your phone number and make it seem like it's somebody else's phone number. You can play a really shitty prank on somebody who had a family member that just died, potentially. That's mean. Pretty mean, yeah. So you're saying that you can call from someone else's number? So you'd have to perfectly match their voice. Yeah, if you wanted to really, like, do a good job at it. Yeah. But you could just make the call and just breathe. Yeah, but... A lot of those, a lot of the calls are like that. Oh, that doesn't really prove anything, though. What do you mean? I mean, if they just breathe, that's not a right. very compelling well, story. That, well, then you would be in line with Cal Cooper here because a lot of the accounts collected, especially online, are like, my grandma called me and I heard her breathing or or she didn't sound like herself, but she gave me a message. I know it was her. It uh, was her phone number. So this book was more of an approach. Unless the swirling winds are in the background. Right. Then, then you, you know, know it's real. Then you know they're in that land of the dead. Swirling hurricane of the other side. Exactly. And the last guy I want to mention, 2018, he put out a book, French guy, sociologist, Laurent Kasperwicz, he published his book, which translates to Phone Calls from the Beyond, question mark. Uh, And in it, he details his own experience that prompted him to study phone calls from the dead. And his own experience, John, had to do with his dog. His dog had recently died. Oh, yeah, that's a crazy story. Crazy story. We'll see if we have time for it in this episode. If not, maybe we can hit it in the expansion. But he added 17 new cases of this phenomena to the research. Uh, They're all great books, but they're all expensive. Telephone Calls from the Dead by Cal Cooper, relatively recent book, 2012. A copy of that book is between $768 and $907 right now. That's crazy, man. Just out of print, I guess. And uh, That's why it's so hard to find these stories online, other than like the Reddit stories I found, which mm-hmm. some of those I think are, are good. It's but... like a lot of these books are out of print. Yeah. And the other guy, Laurent Kasperwicz, the uh, Frenchman, his is just not translated to English yet. So I'm not sure how much his book goes for, but I can't read it unfortunately, but there was an, um, an author, we'll get to her at the end of the episode, and she wrote a book, but she also wrote an article covering Casper Wick's book, and she translated a lot oh, of yeah. his work mm-hmm. from French to English, uh, hoping that people will buy his book. But let's do a couple more phone calls here, more modern calls, more contemporary calls. These first couple are from Live About. Live About? Mm-hmm. Cool name. And these first couple here are online stories, so you take them with a grain of salt. Where'd you get them? I got them from Live About. Oh. <laughs> where, did she, where did they get them from? That's the thing. Well, one of them I've I read in multiple different places. It's an allegedly true account. 
Oh, the first one was from, uh, it's from a woman's blog where it supposedly happened to her. Okay. The person who signed her name at the end of the... Oh, I think I read that one. Yeah. I didn't know why you had such a problem with the Reddit stories I found. They just weren't that interesting. Well, but they were real accounts of people who'd got Well, a just as much as these are. The, okay. Maybe we can do a couple of those because some of those were, I thought were pretty heart touching. I like heart touching. Yeah. They, there was Chris like, it's boring. There's no monsters coming out of the phone. Chris needs blood. <laughs> I don't need blood. I need a demonic voice eating the person's cat. <laughs> I just, I like unique aspects to stories. It's not just like, I missed a call. I think it was my grandma. Sometimes the unique aspect is the, the, the different love. ways that the heart is touched. That's true. You know? The different ways that the heart is touched. There's some sweet moments in those stories. You both know that I'm a very cruel person who uh, <laughs> no. likes people to be in well, pain. you're so nice that you need blood to balance exactly. yourself out. Maybe you can do one, one of the short ones about the, I like the one with, about the grandmother. Okay, we'll see. Who wants to do the first one? Me. Okay, John, go for it. It's called Something Strange Indeed. And the reason I picked this one is because it's <laughs> <What an> intriguing <laughs> title. Oh, wow. That sounds really I didn't good. Title strange it. indeed. I didn't title it. Um, should have retitled it. Yeah, you should have. The woman who had the experience named it this. Oh, no offense. I'm not sure, actually. Could have been the author of the article from Live About. But I've heard this account from different people. So I thought it would be a good one to do. This happened to my older brother, Matt, about a year ago, just a few weeks after my eldest brother, Jeremy's best friend, Joe, died of heart trouble. Matt received a telephone call from a person that sounded exactly like Joe. He said something like, Hello? Matt, it's Joe. Is Jeremy home? Something really strange is going on. Matt freaked out and could hardly answer. No, he's not. Sorry. Then the phone hung up and Matt looked at the caller ID. It read, out of area. So Matt tried star 69. <laughs> I remember that. I remember those days. Yeah. Wasn't I it, think like, it still works. Didn't it cost money? It might have been the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Mom be like, who's star 69ing all these people? <laughs> star 69. Who came up with that? They knew what they were they doing. Knew. <laughs> you get the old turnaround on those guys. Oh, gosh. But they were unable to trace the call. We never got another telephone call from Joe. It still scares Matt to think of it. That's from Janai S. Janai S. I just included that because it's one I've heard different accounts. And I mean, I don't know, but that concept. There's another one, actually. There's one from um, Rogo's book where the person says something very similar, but instead of something really strange is going on, it's like things are really bizarre here. Oh, that's right. The idea that it's relating the land of the spirit or the land of the dead or wherever this person is, at least in this person's case, he doesn't understand what's happening. He doesn't understand where he is. Right. Oh, weird. The world is really bizarre here. That is. Yeah, you, that we have that weird. story, don't we? Isn't that coming up? That'd be really freaky. Yeah. It'd be freakier, yeah, to, to hear that and wonder... Is he lost somewhere? Especially like imagine your friend dies, sad, but imagine your friend dies and then you get home and your mom's like, hey, John, I'll make up a friend that's not a friend of yours so it's not sad. Harold? Harold just called. Uh, he said something strange is happening. The world is turning bizarre. And you knew that your friend had died yesterday and your mom didn't know for some reason. Yeah, that would be really terrifying. Anyway. That'd be super yeah. bizarre. Hello? Oh. Uh, Hello? Nothing. Jeremy, <laughs> that scared me. Isn't that crazy, dude? Who did it come up as the call? Worcester. It should. <laughs> well, if you had grandma's phone number in your phone, it would come up as grandma cell. Isn't that crazy? And you can put on a uh, real-time voice spoof for female or male. Isn't that crazy, dude? So this is to answer the question of can this be done and can it be done easily? Like spoofing a call from a dead... Nowadays. Yeah, nowadays. So obviously the stories that are pre-cell phones, they don't The ones count. I yeah. did earlier, yeah. Even the stories from like 2010 wouldn't matter because this is a newer app technology. It's called Spoof Card. But I, it's free, I think, to a point. I paid it like a couple bucks. But uh, You can just pick 
You can pick anyone's number. That's all them. Not good. Isn't that crazy? And you can change the voice so it actually matches. So the sad. What do you mean? The, you can change the voice so it matches. Well, not matches, but real time can change it to make it sound like a different male or different female voice than your own. It's okay. like a voice modulator. But the really sad thing is that I I did this yesterday while I was. Chris and I were researching. You jerk. Because I was just going to like do it and then tell him immediately it was me. Can I tell him that? Yeah, go ahead, Chris. I feel bad. So I left my phone in my car all night the night before last and my car was like, couldn't find my keys. Apparently Jeremy had lost them. The next day I find the keys. Jeremy's gone in the grocery store or something. I get my phone out for the first time, look at my missed calls and at 1.08 a.m. the night before, right when I was studying phone calls from the dead, it says, missed call, grandma's cell. And I couldn't get a hold. Jeremy left his phone at home, so he was gone. I couldn't call him and tell him about it. So I call mom. I tell her what's going on. Oh, it was uh, a gosh. so sad. For dude. about an hour while Jeremy was. I felt so bad. I just couldn't research anymore because I was so like, oh my God. First of all, this is incredible confirmation. <laughs> what are the chances I'm researching calls from the dead and grandma calls? I kept looking at this, like thinking, was this from months ago and somehow it popped up? But no, it was from 1 a.m. the night before. That's cruel. I didn't mean to. This is the sad thing. So I called. What do you mean you didn't mean okay, to? Okay, so what Chris left out was- So sad. Chris didn't- When he, got, when he came home, I, was, I go, Jeremy, you'll never believe what happened. He's like, it was me. Okay, let me finish. <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> let me finish. So I, I, we're sitting next to each other researching and I called Chris and I was like, Chris, do you have your phone on you? He's like, no. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay, so I'm like, all right. When he gets the phone, he'll see the missed call and I'll tell him right then. But then we couldn't find the keys to his car. And so the trickster got it. So it was the next day and I'd forgotten oh about it. Gosh. And then I'd happened, I left because I just wanted to get out of the house for a minute. I went for like a long drive, maybe a half hour, 45 minutes. And that's when Chris happens to find his keys and get his phone. And I'm not there to tell him, yeah, no, that was me. I was just testing this thing. I just wanted to see if it would work. So he sat there for an hour thinking grandma made contact. Ah, I, just, I felt so bad. Did not plan it that way. I just talked to her like out loud two nights before, kind of emotional. I saw her picture and I think I was drinking wine or something. <laughs> And I came out of the bathroom and Grandma's picture's right there. And I was just like, Grandma, miss you. you know, give me a sign or something like a couple nights ago. Oh, so, Jeremy, you coward. I'm so sorry, But it's dude. funny because it, now I'm thinking like maybe it was that trickster, the trickster that might be behind a lot of these phone calls. Maybe he... Chris's like mind is like bending <laughs> in real time. He's like, is it that? Is it, is it that? I don't know. Yeah, maybe the trickster locked my... I would have been door. disappointed and sad. Way to go, Jeremy. I was pretty sad. I, didn't mean to I was actually kind of... I was pretty mad you at Jeremy. You like you had stumbled upon this amazing event yeah all the belief holes just leading I was even, at that point I was, I was honestly thinking like if the show doesn't go as well the day after tomorrow or tomorrow or whatever you know what at least I have confirmation <laughs> so life sorry, after death. dude it's so sad <sighs> the show better I, go it would have well. been more impressive if I'd have done it in the show because yeah. you actually have a number stored in your phone so it would have come with grandma's cell during the show which is what I wanted but for you it just was Worcester number yeah. All right. Anyway, let's continue with non-ass clown related phone calls alright I'm sorry did you try calling me before too I think I got my this is why he's been distracted yeah. all episode. He's been trying to do this. Good payoff. Yeah, great payoff, Jeremy. <laughs> well, when, when it first happened, I didn't call you, John, because I wanted to show you the phone call and show you grandma. So like, dude, this is real and get your reaction oh, on air. So, I wish it would have happened. You know, grandma, this is your chance. I feel like I just pooped in the hole. I just pooped in the belief <laughs> hole. did, a little you bit. did. Turd in the punch bowl. Turd in the belief punch. How are we going to believe you again? I, I only did it to illustrate I know, a point. I'm kidding. That it can be done. I'm kidding. But yeah, it obviously doesn't count for the stories that are older than this spoof app, spoof card. App. That'll be in the show notes, guys, if, but don't use it. It it's does <laughs> leave some holes, though, thinking about, well, yeah, I guess there are people that would be jerky enough. There are ways to do this before, obviously, if you worked at, like, the right. telephone company or something, but... Nothing can be ruled out. Nothing. <laughs> Trust Nothing. no one. All right, I got two more stories here. Let's come back to a real phone call, alleged real phone call, Jeremy, with a story about the author, Dean Coates. I think this is a cool story. Um, it's magical. It's very magical. And this one, we like at least know... Like Demi Moore. Just like to me more magical. One time Ashton Kutcher called her magical. I heard them. I heard her say that. <laughs> it's 
great, John. She's magical. I don't know where that came from. Some deep <laughs> recess in my brain. Just like some little crack. Something like, I knocked loose. Do you ever think of something like that? Like just some weird mm-hmm. random fact or just like, where did that come from? Mine's more like the uh, brain is memory so related. Yours is more like memory of something that you heard about. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't have many memories. <laughs> <laughs> just things you've been told or seen randomly. Yeah. You're programmed by television. I'm a bot. You're an NPC. I'm a John bot. So this comes from, uh, this was this was originally uh, recounted in Dean Koontz's biography. This comes from Catherine Ramsland, PhD from Psychology Today. And it's called A Mysterious Phone Call from Nowhere Alerts a Best-Selling Writer to Be Vigilant. Hmm. This would fall into the category of a warning call or a, an intention case. On September 20, 1988, Dean had an experience that he would not write about for nearly a decade, but he later claimed it as one possible encounter with evidence for life after death. He was at work that day in his office when the phone rang. Dean Koontz here. What can I do for you? He picked it up and heard a female voice that sounded far away. She spoke with a sense of great urgency. Please be careful. A bit startled, Dean asked, Who is this? He received no response. The woman repeated the warning three more times, and each time she said it, her voice became more distant. Be careful, careful, careful. When the line fell silent, Dean sat there listening for a while, uncertain what to make of it. The voice had sounded eerily like his mother's, but she had been dead for nearly two decades. A voice is much harder to remember than a face, so I thought it was being melodramatic. His number was unlisted, so it could not have been a prank call aimed at him. Perhaps it had been a number simply misdialed. He mentioned the incident to his wife, but no one else. It was such a strange call. I don't claim that it was a ghost. I don't know what I believe. It was certainly odd. People report these kind of events all the time, and it's always struck me as interesting that everyone seems to have had an experience or two of the uncanny. Sometimes I believe that call was from my mother, and sometimes that it was a very strange, serendipitous wrong number. I think you always have to keep some skepticism about things like this, but it's comforting to think that there may be a realm where the personality survives. Two days after this call, Dean went to visit his father at the facility where he lived. The staff was dealing with Ray's behavioral problems, and they had asked Dean to come and talk with him. Ray had punched another resident, a man on a walker, and the nurses were worried. Dean was unaware that Ray had used some of his small allowance to go buy a yellow-handled fishing knife and had honed it to razor sharpness and oiled the hinge to make it open like a switchblade. Dad's like a psychopath. (laughs) Oh, he might have dementia. That wants to murder her. Okay. When Dean came into the room, Ray moved fast. He grabbed the knife from a drawer and Dean had to try to wrestle it away from him. He just managed to avoid being slashed. Jeez. There were many witnesses to this altercation, and one of them called the police. Yes, officer, we have a situation down at Bright Endings. Come quick. Finally, Dean got the knife without incident and carried it out into the hall, just as the police arrived. They drew their guns and ordered him, Drop the knife! Dean was startled. It's not me you want! It's him in there! He pointed to his father's room. Drop the knife! They repeated, still training their weapons on him. Dean froze. All of a sudden, I realized that they were going to shoot me if I didn't drop the knife. They thought I was the perpetrator, so I dropped it and obeyed them. That was one of the worst moments of my life. My own stupidity almost got me killed. Kuntz would later include this scene in his 1993 novel, Mr. Murder, 
Eventually, the police realized that Ray was the dangerous party. They took him to a psychiatric ward where he could be kept for observation. But Dean thought again about the mysterious phone call. It had made him more vigilant, and as a result, had possibly saved his life. He never again received another such call, although in another novel, he did provide a separate phone line for ghosts. What does that mean? <laughs> just like He was just skeptical, like, was this my mom that warned me about my dad with a knife? He's not sure, but in a future book, he wrote a phone line for ghosts, meaning like this was always in the back of his mind. Was this call from his mom? They called to warn him. Oh, was there a phone number? Gotta buy the book, here. <laughs> no, I was just wondering because <laughs> a lot of these phone numbers you'll see like in the show Stranger Things, mm-hmm. they did this and, and uh, Freddy Krueger in the 80s, you could call and he would read bedtime stories to you over the phone. Oh, really? Your worst nightmare has something special for you today. Dial this number now. If you're one of my lucky callers selected at random, you can talk to me live while you're awake. So dial this number now if you dare. Talk to me live. Freddy Krueger is just a phone call away. $2 the first minute, 45 cents each additional minute. Children, get your parents' permission before you dial. These like hotlines. These like set them up. horror hotlines. That's great. Yeah. But if there are numbers that are famously published in movies and shows, sometimes they'll make them real or either a fan or yeah. for promotional purposes. So that's some of the mysterious phone numbers you can call. So uh, and we might do that in the expansion. That'd be kind of fun. I have some numbers that we could, sure. we could test out. Um, but yeah, sure. that's uh, maybe it was someone calling and making more vigilant from the other side. It's possible. Indeed. Or could be a trickster. Now, before we wrap up with the trickster concept here, did you want to do the sweet story of the grandmother? So the majority of calls are more helpful or more sweet. Just messages from the beyond saying, I'm okay. That's generally the most. Most of them aren't creepy or bizarre. Those are out there. But for the most part, it's people trying to comfort their loved ones after passing or warning them of something. Right. Most of these are kind of reassuring, which would make sense if someone dies you're going to want to wrap up that unfinished business. Mm-hmm. If you are carrying over your consciousness to the next world and you still have memories and thoughts about this world, especially immediately after, within the first 48 hours, like the policemen say, you want to reach out and comfort. Yeah, you want to reach out and comfort and either alleviate someone of guilt, which we'll hear stories about, like the one in the expansion. But here's an example. This is kind of a sweet one. Well, I had a story like this. My grandpa passed away a year ago almost, and I was sitting in the living room with my grandma, chatting and having some snacks. The phone of the house started ringing. She picks up the phone and her face went completely pale, hung up and started crying. Now my grandpa had just passed at this moment and we were all really sad and depressed since he was such a kind and caring soul. My grandma explained to me through tears that my grandpa had called her. He said she recognized his voice and he was whispering that he was okay and that my grandma would be okay too, even without him. They had been married for 61 years and they were still madly in love when he left. This helped my grandma a lot and she wasn't a believer in paranormal stuff, but it made her think a lot about that and is really open-minded about this stuff now. We often discuss about this and we all agree that it wasn't some kind of bad joke and it resembled my grandpa so much to take care for my grandma even far away on the other side. We had a lot of strange things happening after his death, but always on the good side of strange. I miss him a lot, but it helps me to think he's okay and he's showing us he is. Aw, that's sweet. Yeah, there's so many stories like that and that's when it makes me think like 
if there are other entities trying to trick us, which I do believe that, I think that there are malevolent forces mm-hmm. out there and things trying to convince you of things, especially with the Ouija board, mm-hmm. some freaky stories of that. But I do think in some of these instances, the intention just seems so genuine right. and sweet. I mean, that's just going to comfort. And yeah, I don't exactly. think tricksters are into comforting someone. Yeah. You Unless know? you're, I mean, there are some tricksters, I think. No. The idea that it's like they're neutral. <laughs> like no. they, Like, because there's... No. The, <laughs> yes, Jonathan. No. They're a trick. No. Ducky. Ducky, ducky. Ducky, ducky. You know in German they say, Danke. That's thank you. I know. Isn't that funny it's, though? Why is it funny? <laughs> I just sounds. <laughs> what kind of three-year-old thought is that? It just sounds like other people say it's, Donka. It's like Donka Shane. It sounds like uh, I saw someone. I saw a movie last night, and he kept he kept going Donka, and it, <laughs> it just reminded me of like a mentally handicapped. Oh, like, he sounds like so like you're just learning of things. Donka. Oh, that's such an awesome observation, John. Okay, oh. there's my American side. There you go. <laughs> In Norwegian, it's tuck, tuck, mm-hmm. which is probably related to the German Monotuck. daka because many things. What made me think of that? This is what we're talking about. Just the weird things that like pop the in your Demi head. Demi Moore, Ashton Kutcher called her magical ones. <laughs> <laughs> Just the most random shit comes Just pops in, my in your head. Brain. It's probably a trickster spirit on your shoulder. Maybe. You're, probably, it's, it's, you're partly a trickster, I think. I think that's what it is, John. You're little... here to repeat words in a different way. If anyone is a trickster, it's you. <laughs> oh, come on. Just to interrupt a story with a, a, like a weird no, word. It's or over. The story no, no, over. I'm just saying in general. Like, yeah. you know. Maybe. <laughs> should I read the trickster to finish it off? Yeah, you should. This is this is really, actually. You know what? Uh, can we take a real quick break first? Yeah, yeah, we can do a quick break. And then what? We're gonna do the story, and then and then thank you, thank you to yeah. so, great people out All there, of our and, amazing uh, fans, and our final thoughts for the day. Believable final thoughts. All right, see you in a minute. You guys ready to hear a little bit about the trickster? One possible explanation for this phenomena. Let's do it. Okay, so I don't think this explains all the phone calls, but I do think that the trickster may be involved in some. And the trickster also, by the way, is a neutral kind of figure. And this goes back through the centuries and the histories, cultural references and stories and myth. And this is a particular example. This comes from the French fella who is researching this stuff. Caperwicks. Casperwicks. Casperwicks. Good name for a ghost hunter. And you're right. You know, you're Casper right. Casperwicks. Yeah, his book was uh, Phone Calls from the Beyond? Question mark. That was the English translation right. from 2018. So there was an article put out in the Journal of Scientific Exploration by Sharon hewitt Rollette in 2020 called Phone Calls from the Dead? Exploring the Role of the Trickster. Now, she breaks down the book, does a really good job reviewing it, a very fair review, and then identifies the idea of the trickster character that Casperwicks lays out as a possible explanation for some of it. He mentions the trickster may use the absurd as protection, as a way of covering his tracks. So oftentimes the stories or experience will be so crazy that no one will take them seriously. And he's suggesting that that's by design, right? This is the way that the trickster can make something happen, play a trick on somebody, and then no one will believe him. What does that sound like? It sounds like Pan. And it sounds like Men in Black accounts. Oh, exactly. Right? Yeah. Another form of trickster scenarios. Or Bill Murray, right? Or Bill you Murray. You can tell people, but no one will believe you. <laughs> yeah. So... As an example, he mentions that uh, more than one voice recording of a message left from the dead, quote, has spontaneously erased itself. You have no new messages. This is another example of how you can have a friendly, comforting message, and yet 
it gets erased, which would make people disbelieve you that adds to the skepticism of the whole phenomenon. Right. But the idea is the message is still given. It's still comforting to the person, but it somehow keeps you from being able to prove that this phenomenon is real. Right. So you have that constant trickery going it's, on. It's just like the stuff that John Keel talked about with the ultra terrestrial, the idea that you can take a picture of a UFO in the sky or a ghost, but it's never going to come out quite clear enough. Right, exactly. No matter how well you take the picture or that your batteries are going to drain. There's always something that's going to let you get close, just close enough for your own confidence in the phenomena, but take away any sort of evidence of your experience. Hard proof, yeah. Now, what's interesting is that uh, Casper Wicks, she notes that he's first prompted to consider the role of the trickster in post-mortem phone communications, as she calls it, because of a very specific experience. This is cool. In this experience, it involved the trickster's most common representation in Western culture, which of course is the gesture of the medieval and Renaissance royal courts, right? Right. Making the king laugh while making fun of him. This is where our author meets the trickster. A few months after Kasperwitz experienced the strange phone calls featuring the hard breathing of a dog and rapt responses to his questions, Kasperwitz was driving on the highway when he fell asleep at the wheel. While asleep, he had a dream in which a court jester stepped out from behind a red curtain on a theater stage, and after looking at Kasperwitz for a moment, made a gesture with his hands indicating that Kasperwitz needed to turn the steering wheel to the right. Casper, which immediately opened his eyes and did so, and in this manner only barely avoided hitting the barrier in the median of the highway. Casper Wicks notes that he hadn't had any recent contact with images of jesters. Before this experience, the image seemed to come to him out of nowhere. And what was more, he says that the colors and sounds of the dream were unlike almost any other dream he has ever had, and how very real they seemed. Kasperwicz considers the possibility that this dream, which quite plausibly saved his life, was also designed to give him a brief peek behind the curtain of the stage of life, revealing that the true actor at work in his paranormal experiences was the trickster. As for who or what the trickster is exactly, Kasperwicz is clear that this archetypal being has strong links to the human unconscious. Above all, he says, it's a mechanism an extraordinary mode of functioning of an autonomous part of our unconscious. That is, the trickster is paradoxically both part of us and autonomous from us at the same time. Interesting idea. I don't understand any of that. Did you get his dream? Yeah. So he's saying that it's something that is part of our unconscious, but is also something that's separate from our ourselves. I know, but like, I don't understand why... So he warned him about his death, but he's also a trickster because he's a... Well, so this happened, we had this experience with his, his dead dog, his dead dog calling him, basically. Hello? Uh, which we didn't do that story. Hopefully we'll get into the, in the expansion. But when he's investigating and writing this book about the phone calls, he's considering the idea that, you know, some of them aren't adding up. The voices aren't, they don't sound exactly like the people who called. Or sometimes right. there's something that's a little off or something that doesn't lead the person to discovering who the person really is. And he was thinking about the idea of the trickster in history, but he wasn't consciously thinking about this gesture figure. And then at some point in this period, after he has this experience with the phone call from his alleged dead dog, he's driving down the road, falls asleep, and then he sees right. what the embodiment of a trickster comes out from behind a curtain and saves his life. So the idea is that it's basically giving him a clue that he's behind the paranormal activity in his life, and that right. could be an accounting for some of these accounts. That's what it seems like he's suggesting. And as far as it being, he thinks the trickster is 
part of his unconscious, but also a separate kind of entity. It kind of goes with, it's, it's the Jungian idea of the... I guess what, I wonder what the intentions of the trickster are then. Well, yeah, and that's what's interesting is that going back through history, whenever you hear about like Pan mm-hmm. or these, tri- even like um, demons or the word for demon, I forget what it was, in the Dang. the old, um, the Gnostic texts and earlier texts of, uh, oh man, there's something like the Hindu, the Vedic texts, I'm getting this wrong, but anyways... Earlier in Mesopotamian religions and stuff, they were creature entities that were neutral largely. They weren't specifically evil. They cared about themselves. They would do things for fun. It wasn't always evil. It wasn't always good. But they were neutral entities and they liked to like be mischievous. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the idea of the trickster. Like Loki. Mm-hmm. Like Loki. And sometimes and, uh, I think to answer your question there about the intention, sometimes a phone call from a dead relative, even if it's a little off, will still be comforting and show you that there is life right. after death, even if it's kind of a gag at the same time. You're still being nice, but you're pulling a prank. Right. You know, I guess if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely fascinating. Um, I would recommend all these books and I do if you have the money to get one. Um, let me know how you like it because I can't afford it right now. <laughs> <laughs> we will have links in the show notes to uh, the books referenced here and also more stories yeah. um, that you can actually read for free will be on our website as well that we didn't get a chance to recount here. As well as links to the academic articles that we used. Yeah, all the kinds of links will be over there. All kinds of stuff. So check them out. And as we wrap up here... Thank you, thank you. Definitely fascinating stuff. Obviously, we've been looking at technology to speak to spirits for, I mean, hundreds of years, really. If you really look at the history, thousands of years. It'll be interesting to see what the spirit phone group or whoever mm-hmm. it is has for disclosure. This the- summer... They're calling it this summer. They're going to be supposedly identifying 15 different cities to do simultaneous demonstrations so wow. that they can release this information at the same time. And we'll hear more about this in the expansion, right? right. What kind of technology they're using. Yeah, what you got the soul are. phone, you got the soul voice, you got the soul Skype type situation that are all theoretical technologies based off this original soul switch, which is essentially a binary on-off switch based on light and the appearance of spirit in the photo light receiver. So it's oddly technical. And and from the documentary I watched, which I'll link in the show notes as well, that I really break down in the expansion coming up, I'm surprised because I was, you know, it sounds so crazy and it was going to be kind of a silly thing to talk about. But when I watched the lecture given, it was actually really fascinating. So it could be happening. It's a crazy idea. So tune into that, the expansion guys, if you're interested. Yeah, we hope you dug this deep dive into spirit tech and phone calls from the dead. True that, true that. Don't answer unlisted phone numbers. I do want to say a quick thank you. Special thanks? Yeah, we have some new members of the whole to thank new expansioneers. And before we do, I just want to say a quick thanks to, uh, we got a couple of talented folks sent us art. Yeah, awesome. Uh, that are gifting us some of their artwork um, who we met on Instagram. Uh, thank you to Manette and uh, Coca Bert. Uh, he's got some really interesting, unique pieces in his shop. We'll have links in the show notes to their stuff, but just want to say thank you to you guys for the stuff that you guys have kind of shared with us in the past. And um, Pretty amazing. We'll have images of the artwork. And we've had some fan art too. We'll eventually have our uh, fan art page up on our website. And if you want to submit any, we'll put it up there. We have a couple people that we're not mentioning right now because I don't have the names available. But thank you to those guys too. Thanks, everybody. Guys and gals. Just thanks to everyone who's been supporting the show. Yay! Speaking of thanks, new expansioneers. The new expansioneers. Let's thank them. Let's thank them. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> All right. Special thanks to Dev. Dev. Thank you. Thank you, Dev. Wade. Welcome into the hole. What's up, Wade? Liga Clavina Res- Reska. Reska. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Nice. Welcome in. Yes. Lena. Hi. Lena. Welcome to the hole. Denise Seppi. Yes. Hi, Denise. Hey. Seppi. Yes. Seppi. Yes. I like that name. Vince Taylor. Welcome in, bud. Yeah. Vince. Yeah. Anthony Thawne. What? I'll wear you. Well, okay. Hi. Anthony Thon, welcome. Anthony Thon. Excellent. I Butsev. I Butsev. Welcome in, my friend, to the hole. Savannah, hey, girl. Hey, Savannah. Mm -hmm. Georgia, on my mind. (laughs) 
Uh, Jeremy Littleton, welcome into the hole. Hey, Bye. Jeremy, good name. I like that. Awesome. Uh, Reggie Calvin. Hi. Awesome. Reg. Yes. Reggie. Reggie. Little Reg. Lois. Lois Lane. How's Clark? Lois, welcome. Get that all the time. Dan Porter. Pour yourself a port. Or a porter. P- bug. A porter. Beer. That's a beer, right? Okay. Welcome, These are Dan. bad this time. <laughs> Brittany Clousher. Yes. Hey, Brittany. Hi, welcome Brian. to the hole. Clasher McGausher. Yes. All right. Michelle McDizzy. McDizzy. Hey, McDizzy. People get dizzy talking to Michelle because she's a charming lady. Scooter Pooter. Scooter XD. Cooter, cooter, scooter. Cooter, scooter, scooter XD. Scooter Scooter. <laughs> I think the XD is like a smiley face. Yeah, like the crop. Kind of oh, okay. Emoji X and then a D. What? Cooter Scooter. How you doing? Great name. Scooting on some cooters. Quorum Con. Excellent. Quorum yes. Con. Welcome, Quorum Con. Welcome, Welcome. sir. God! That was great, Chris. Ronda Unicorn. Ride that thing. It's a unicorn. <laughs> Wait, Denise Richardson Wills. Denise Richardson was Charlie Sheen's ex wife. What? Denise Richards. Oh, yeah. Starship Troopers. Come on, John. Sorry. All right. Jazzy says yar. Excellent. Jazzy, Jazzy says yar. Good phrase. I like that. I don't know what that means, but Brent Scoffstall. Brent Scoffstall. We don't scoff at your stall, sir. <laughs> we are not. So bad. <laughs> Jeremy Thomas, hi, buddy. Hey, Jeremy. Welcome. Rhiannon. Hi, Rhiannon. 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 It's like the futuristic Rihanna. Sounds like a samurai. Rhiannon. Double the Rhiannas. Okay. <laughs> Omar Bautista. What up, Omar? Magic Murdoch. Ooh, welcome, Magic Murdoch. <laughs> Casting some spells on the hole. Julie Garcia. Hi. Welcome to the hole, Julia. Hey, Julia. Julia. Sorry, Julie, Julie Garcia. Garcia. Welcome. Eileen Swear. I swear we won't do it again. I swear I read her name before. <laughs> Gosh, so bad. <laughs> Thank you. Sonny LaPan. Sonny LaPan. Welcome. A to magic the man or gal. The Pan. Thanks for the support. Good to have you. Laura Lynn. Laura Lynn. I went to uh, school with a girl named Laura Lynn and I thought it was a unique name and I get to hear it again. Maybe that's her. Maybe. Brandon awesome. Richardson. Hi, buddy. Hey, Brandon. What's up, Brandon? Yes. Welcome in, bud. Tracy Fenner. Fenner. Ah. Get it. Get it done, Terrace. <laughs> Sarah Dabrowski. Sarah. Dombrowski. We know you. Do we? I think so. Sarah Dombrowski. Maybe it's... Not to be confused with Jennifer Dabrowski. Maybe they're related. It's a different name. Oh, sorry. Benjamin Salinas. <laughs> hey, hey, Benji. Salinas. Benjamin Salinas. Thanks for being Welcome. here, buddy. We appreciate you. Elias Zakari. Ooh, nice. Exotic. Hey, Elias. Elias. Fancy name. I like it. Welcome, bud. Gerard Hogan. Yum, yum, yum. Yes. Yum yum it's a yum day. Oh yum! I was thinking like a hoagie. I don't Leah know. Leah Warren. What? What is that? That is happening. Awful. Kelly Werzer. Yeah. Hey Kelly. Oh, she's a pilot. Watch out! She's flying the skies. Flying those skies. Dodging the gremlins. Awesome. Kelly. Look at this next one. It's it's no one. Oh, weird. <laughs> Invisible man. Thank you to email that starts with Jacob. <laughs> you did not leave a name, but we welcome you, my friend. Mole wolf. Molewolf. Very oh. brooding name. Welcome, Molewolf. Simon Forsyth. Forsyth. Hey, buddy. Oh, great guy. The gentleman of logic, what? if you will. Oh, yes. Google that. He's got his own yes. show. Welcome, buddy. We got another no name. Weird. MK. MK. Well, maybe we shouldn't say Yeah. It. MK, welcome MK, in. welcome to the whole MK. Hobby holes. Hobby holes. Pick Ooh. a hole and make it your hobby. That's what I say. <laughs> Why? Welcome in, bud. Or gal. Ronnie what? Arshuleta. Awesome name. Welcome. We, we welcome you in. Elma Gracia. Elma Gracia, welcome. Welcome to the hole. Help her yes. to have you here. Happy to ha- happy to have you here. Happy to have you here. Ringle yes. Dongle. <laughs> welcome, Ringle Dongle. Ringle Dongle, you just made our day. And good old yes. William C. Blankenship. What? Thank you, sir, for your patronage yes. support. Why? Welcome to the hole. 
All right, Jesse, thank you to you. We thank appreciate you. you. Thank you. Brian and Tanya Stevens. Stevens. A couple and a couple of good people. All I'll the say Stevenses, that. yes. Nick Benson. Nick Benson! Bring Come on in. down, buddy. Come <laughs> on down. Slap that love on. Miss you, buddy. Thanks for, for listening. We love you and we miss you. <laughs> and DJ, we're getting your stinger. DJ Benson. 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 Jacob Masson. Jacob Masson. <laughs> Subdued. Oh. Welcome, yes. Jacob. Welcome, Good to have you here, man. All right, Jamie Larson. Jamie I Larson. Commits no Larson, but known for robbing your heart. Nice. Yes. Daniel Maxwell Coffee. Word videotape. Welcome. What? Yes, these are things that have to do with the name. Uh, Maxwell's not coffee, is it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it is? <laughs> Maxwell House. There you go. Maxwell House. I think okay, okay. Watley, thank you. Welcome in. Welcome to the whole man. Jason Christensen. Yes. Lastly, Jason Jason Christensen. Yes. Yay. Yay. Right. We got Yay. through them. We did them a little faster this time. So they might not have been as imaginative. Song creative. played through four times this time. <laughs> we are caught up. Yes. Thank you to all of you. We really appreciate it. Yeah, you guys it. are awesome for supporting us. Yeah, um, really. We need you guys and we love you. Thank you so yeah. much. Anybody not signed up yet, but for some reason managed to get through this list of names, sign up and you will get double the episodes. Of Anyone who's not, who can't sign up, totally cool. Leave a review or tell your friends would be awesome. Yeah, that really does help. And don't forget, June 18th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we will be live on the Tube of You. Mm-hmm. So tune in for that and say hello. That should be fun. And don't- you guys have any ideas about stuff? Oh, yeah. Send them in if you want. Some videos to review. Yeah, anything that would be cool. Prescient articles. So those of you who haven't joined yet, it's not like an episode. It's more of a kind of a hangout. We call it hangout in the hole. It's a discussion. We review some stuff, but it's not heavily edited. It's not like an episode. Yeah, it's live. live. It's live. It's chill. But it'll be interesting. It is fun. We always have a really good time. And you can chat, talk to some other holers, and talk to us. It'll be our new space. Oh, and lastly, we got to thank Lindsay Mabes for those awesome believable cocktail glasses you bought us. Yeah, they're pretty sweet. We're going to have to actually buy real alcohol and not gas station vodka. of love. First physical official gift to the whole that came into our P.O. box. Oh, they're really cool. They have a great feel to them. Yeah, they're sturdy made. They're oh, yeah. sturdy made. They're sturdy made. <laughs> that sounds like it's a like brand. rubber made, but more sturdy. Thank you, Lindsay, for those tumblers. We'll be uh, sporting those on the live streams, guys. So come hang out. Come join us. And uh, until next time, until we come back from the break, don't take any unknown phone Unless calls. Unless you want to go sign over up at the expansion. <laughs> Here goes Chris's. Uh, don't take any unknown phone calls. Corny, from the void. relevant oh, salutations. Puts a nice bow on it. You know. Uh-huh. Don't answer the phone when you don't know who it is, especially not at three a.m. It might not be grandma. It might be Jeremy it playing a trick your on brother you. Being an asshole. It was a mean accident. It was an accident. <laughs> anyway, guys, we it love you. It was a mean accident. It was a mean All right, accident. Guys. Anyways, guys, we love you, uh, and we will see you soon. Next time on. Love you. We'll catch up soon. Miss you. On. I miss you already. <laughs> the belief hole. 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 The belief hole.